Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We're glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'll ask you to open your Bibles to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. The fifth chapter of James. Today, we are nearing the end of our series on a faith that works, our journey through the epistle of, of James We have one more message, and that will be next Sunday, and it will cover the last two verses of the epistle. On August the 5th, we're going to start a new series, and it will be entitled, What in the World is Happening? And so that will begin on the 5th of August. These verses today are about prayer. Have you prayed this morning? Well, I know we prayed here, but did you pray before you got here? Have you prayed today? Do you, by this point, every morning, have you already spent some time with the Lord in prayer? I, I hope that the answer to that is yes. Whatever else we learn from verses 13 through 18, we'll read them in a moment. We must learn that there are no circumstances in which we cannot call upon the Lord. There is no experience from which we cannot reach out for his help. Whatever we need in all circumstances, we're to pray and to praise God. Before I read the text, uh, I need to mention that because I know some don't know, we have a prayer room in our church and there are people in that prayer room from Six in the morning to six in the evening, Monday through Thursday and until 1 p.m. on Friday. And what a vital ministry of power it is. And if you are interested in participating in that, Rita Turner is our director and call the church this week and we'll put you in touch with Rita. And we would love to have you as part of that very vital, vital ministry. So here's what the verses say. Stand with me and let's honor the word of God as we always do. And we'll read verses 13 through 18. And James writes these words. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. That's James' way of saying Elijah was not Superman. He was a human just like you and me. Sometimes we think of the prophets in another category, but Elijah was a man just like you and I. Today we might say he put on his pants the same way we do, but they didn't have pants, so he put on his robe the same way we would have put on robes. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly 
that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. You may be seated. The power of prayer. That's our topic of the morning. Prayer is our gateway to God. Vance Havner wrote these words. Prayer is the only thing we can do that affects three worlds at once. Prayer reaches up in worship to God. It reaches out in work to man. It reaches down in warfare against Satan. I'd never read that until this week, but I'm going to put that on my desk somewhere so that I don't forget it. So as we think about the power of prayer, I want us to embrace these five things that we find in the text. First, the power of prayer in suffering. The power of prayer in suffering. Remember, James is written to a suffering church scattered by persecution throughout the Roman Empire. So in verse 13... He says, is anyone, or he asked, is anyone among you in trouble? And the, the answer to that would be yes. Let them pray. Is anyone among you experiencing hardship or distress or persecution or any stressful circumstances? Is anyone suffering through the onslaught of evil? Is, has anyone come under personal hardship? Does anyone sense oppression? Does anyone feel pressure? If the answer to that is yes, then James says, take it to God. Now, our question of the moment, does it do any good? I'm sitting in front of the church, the people of God. Does prayer work? Is prayer effective? Does prayer make any difference? I hear some amens. So let me share with you at least four things, at least four things that are taking our suffering, our pain, our hardship, our pressure, our troubles, taking them to the Lord. Here's at least four things that will happen. Number one, we will be obeying God. Because God says we are to pray and obedience is always good. The second thing prayer accomplishes is that we have upon praying a sense of his presence and a reminder that you are not forgotten. Have you ever felt forgotten? Persist in prayer. You are not forgotten. God knows you personally, your current circumstance and everything that's going on. You have not been abandoned, nor have you been forgotten. A third thing that prayer will do is that it will remind you that God has a plan. And we're not always able to see the big picture But we know God has a plan and a purpose and that he loves us 
And we may at some point be able to see the big picture in this life, or we may not see the big picture until we stand before His throne, but we understand about prayer that God does have a plan in everything that we experience. And then the fourth thing that this, that, that prayer will certainly accomplish is the reminder that God will answer in His perfect timing and for His glory. Now, in my peanut brain and in my sometimes lack of faith, I want God to answer all of my prayers right now. Come on, God, what's wrong? I prayed and I don't have an answer. It's been 10 seconds. But persistence in prayer helps me to remember that God is with me, that He will answer my prayer in His perfect timing in accordance with His will and for His glory. And I need to bring myself underneath that umbrella that earlier in this chapter James calls patience. That word we love so much. Do you remember if you were here last week, chapter 5, verse 7? Be patient then, brothers and sisters. How long do I need to be patient? You remember? Until the Lord's coming (laughs) until Jesus comes again so the power of prayer in suffering it's real yes suffering's real but so is the power of prayer in suffering now here's the second thing we want to get our arms around and that is the power of prayer in joy look at verse 13 again the second part of that verse is anyone happy Let them sing songs of praise. And songs of praise are a form of prayer. A form of prayer. Now, a a good friend of mine gave me two hats, two baseball caps. And the word happy, I don't know that you can see it out there, but the word happy is written on it. Now, if you come up from behind me, you'll see that it's by the happy state bank out in the panhandle. But if you're coming up from the front, you don't know that. It just says happy. Now, if I want to be mellow, I'll wear the tan one. If I want to get attention, well, why would I do that? I, I, I wear the red, belt and red. I, I wear the red one. It, it says happy. Now, um, I've noticed that these hats are conversation starters. Folks will come up and they'll look at my hat and they'll see happy and they want to make some kind of comment. And what I've learned, it's a good opportunity of opening a witness conversation, but, but also it is a reminder that my face needs to match the word. <laughs> you know, if I'm wearing the hat and I'm looking like that, uh, folks are thinking that guy's crazy. But James says, is anyone happy? Then he should pray. Take it to the Lord. 
in gratitude. We love hearing the words, thank you, don't we? We we try to teach our children and our grandchildren, please and thank you. And sometimes they have to be reminded until it becomes part of the fabric of their being. And if you like to hear the word, words thank you, how much more does our Heavenly Father want to hear those words of gratitude from His children? And so I confess that I, and perhaps it is a we, are all too forgetful of God when everything's going well. Now, I, I never forget to pray when things aren't going well. But sometimes when God is blessing and things are going well, I just forget to say anything. But James says, is anyone happy? He should take it to the Lord. In, in, in the Greek there in that 13th verse where it says, let them sing songs of praise. That, that the, the literal translation of that is when you're happy, is when you're happy, pluck at a stringed instrument pluck at a stringed instrument so the the strings over here should be happy about that through the years it it became translated when you're happy sing praise to the lord either way plucking or singing either way or praying is good because god loves our praise So let's make a covenant together that we will not forget to say to God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, the third thing that I I want us to get our arms around here is the power of prayer in sickness. Now, verses 14 and 15 through the centuries have engendered some measure of discussion and even disagreement. But, But look at it. Is anyone among you sick? And then he says, if so, here's what you should do. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, literally this says, is anyone among you without strength? And that's what sickness does to us, doesn't it? You get sick and a byproduct of that sickness is you're without strength. I mean, you're just washed out. You can hardly do anything. So that he's saying, is anyone among you without strength? Is anyone among you sick? And, and the implication here in the text and the original words refers to serious illness or injury. Not superficial. I, I chipped the end of my fingernail. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something serious, an illness or injury, something that has sidelined you. You're unable to function normally. Then what are you supposed to do? And he tells us now an excursion for a moment. Why do Christians get sick? We're God's children. Why aren't we exempt? Why aren't we exempt from illness? Let's think about that for a moment. Well, first of all, Christians get sick because we are alive and part of the human race. And the Bible never says become a Christian. You'll never get sick. With all due respect to some of what you see on television. Because we're alive on the face of planet earth, we're going to get the same things that a lot of other people get. Now, sometimes sickness is caused by sin. 
We know that. You get drunk, you get behind the wheel of a car, you drive, you have a wreck, and you get hurt. That illness, that injury is a result of your own sin. Sometimes sicknesses or illness is uh, because of a a violation of natural law. When I came here as your pastor, I could have stood right here and jumped down there. No problem. No problem. I was active basketball player. I could have done that. I could have done that. If I do that now, it is a violation of natural law. (laughs) And I'm going to be in a world of hurt. Sometimes our sickness begins with stress that causes things to happen in our mind that result in, in a sickness of some kind. Sometimes sickness comes at the attack of Satan, but only with God's permission as he gave with Job. Sometimes sickness comes to reveal God's power. You remember John chapter 9? The disciples and Jesus encountered a man who was born blind. And the disciples, like many Jews in that day, made an assumption. Somebody sinned here. Was it, was it this man? Or was it his parents? I, the, I'm incredulous at the question. I mean, he's blind since birth. So did he sin as a baby and cause his blindness? Or was it his parents? What did Jesus say? Jesus said this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, Jesus is saying this sickness has come in order that God's power might be revealed. And then sickness sometimes comes to reveal God's grace. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I think most of our illnesses come because we're alive on the face of planet Earth, but there are other options. I confess that in the flesh, when I'm ill, I become extraordinarily self-focused. And just about all I'm concerned about is me, myself, and I, and can you get this out of my body, out of my life, whatever it may be. But sometimes I have to realize God has a bigger purpose for His glory and to reveal His grace. But James does tell us what to do. What does he say to do? Call the elders, the spiritual leaders of the church and have them come and pray. Now, That is an active ministry of our elder body. We don't say much about it because the initiative for this lies with the sick person, not with the elders. In other words, the elders don't come banging on your door and say, we're here to pray for you and anoint you with oil unless you have called and said, please come and pray for me. And if you do, they will. We will. 
won't always be the entire body. It may be two or three of the elders, but it is something that we do and we practice and we consider it a privilege and we take it very seriously. And we pray over the person in person. We don't call on the phone and gather around the phone and shout into the phone. We actually go and lay hands on the person and pray. We anoint them with oil, as the scripture says. The oil is not medicinal. The elders are not doctors. Well, one of them is, but the, the, the elders are not doctors, meaning we don't come to the house to practice medicine. We come to pray, and the oil is symbolic of the healing power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And the focus is on the power of prayer. And, and the power is God's power. Now, the outcome, he says here, is that it will make the person well. And the Lord will raise him up, and his sins will be forgiven if sin is involved. And this is a life or death. Raise him up. Now, I pondered that. We've, we've prayed and anointed with oil, and the person dies. So what's, what, what happens here? What's the deal? I don't understand. Well, in a moment, I'll get to something that I think will help us understand it. But I've said for years, God always heals. Always. But remember, sometimes the healing comes by his taking us home to be with him. The ultimate healing doesn't always come here. But God always heals one way or the other. Now, more on that in a moment, but let's look at the fourth thing, the power of prayer in sin. 16, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The word confess means agree with. When you confess your sins to God, you are agreeing with God. God, I'm a sinner. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 3.23. When I confess my sin to God, I'm saying to God, God, I know you know all about it. I have sinned and I agree with you that I have sinned. That's the meaning of the word confess. Remember, God never says, I had no idea. God knows. Already, he's waiting for you, for me to say, God, I agree with you, I've sinned. Here, James says, confess to one another, confess to a person, agree with a person. Someone who is mature and trusted. And so, for added strength, we confess to that person, not for gossip, but for strength. Or to the one we've offended, we confess our sin. Sometimes people will say to me, I want to, I want to make things right with, it, with this person, but it wasn't all my fault. <laughs> so if I go to him or her and confess my sin and they just stand there and look at me, I'm going to really be mad. Well, my response is, don't go. You're not ready to go. You're not really sorry. 
You see, when you're really sorry, you go and you confess and you leave the response that that person makes to him or her. And you're prepared in your heart for whatever response you get, but you are going to make things right to clear the air and to say, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I confess my sin. We are confessing to one another for strength. See, we confess to God to receive His forgiveness. We confess to one another in order that we might be strengthened and to develop and establish accountability to another person. Confess. Agree with. I have sinned. Please pray for me. I have sinned. I'm so sorry. Whatever the case may be. Do not go and confess to someone that you have something against and that person doesn't know it. Because the word confess means agree with. They can't agree with what they don't know. For instance, in years ago in my last church, we were having an all-night prayer meeting getting ready for a revival. And about four in the morning when most of us were kind of like, whoa, 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 I don't know if I can hang on much longer or not. A man in the church said, can I talk to you a minute in private? So we went to a little Sunday school room and he said, I need to confess something to you. I've hated you for years. That's true. I said, oh my goodness. I know what to say. Except finally I said, why? And he said, I just don't like you. I don't like the way you pastor. I don't like anything about you. And then he said, I'm sorry, I confess it. (laughs) And I wanted to say, brother, I wish you hadn't confessed that one. (laughs) I mean, I did the thing I thought I was supposed to do and forgive him and prayed with him. Um, Don't do that. If the other person, if you got something against somebody and they don't have a clue, then don't tell them. Make it right with God and get over whatever it is that you are upset about. Confession means... I agree with you. And don't confess if you're not going to pray. So confession brings cleansing. Confession brings strengthening. Confession brings accountability. And that's what James is talking about in in the text. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. The result will be forgiveness and healing where there is sickness. Now. Do, do you see there's, there's some mystery in these verses? Can you see it? James lays things out there and I think, I think I've got my arms around that, but I confess I don't totally know all that that means. And if it were essential that I know totally what it means, then the Bible would have made it clear that so I could totally understand everything that he's saying here. But, but understand our responsibility is prayer and confession. I understand what I'm supposed to do. I may not understand clearly the results, but I understand what I'm supposed to do. You do too. No question about that. So we get, we get to the last part, the power, the power of prayer in righteousness. Look at verse 16. Um, the second part of the verse, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then he gives us an illustration like a good pastor. He gives an illustration, illustration of Elijah. 
The word righteous in this context is a practical term. It speaks of a righteous man or woman, one who shows his or her faith by his or her works. This person is consumed with a desire to please God and to serve God. He or she walks with God and has power in prayer. Earnest prayer, serious prayer, enthusiastic prayer, dynamic prayer. The power lies not in the person, but in God. And he illustrates it with Elijah. First Kings 17, 18, 19, you read about it. You remember that he's a champion of the Old Testament prophets. You remember the the battle on the top of Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. And we're familiar, I think, with that hope with that story. But remember the other part of Elijah's ministry when he when he prayed that it would not rain and it didn't. Then he prayed that it would rain and it did. And James reminds us Elijah's just a man, just like us, not Superman. He's just a man, a common man that that makes me feel good. Ought to make you feel good. And God loves answering prayers from folks like us. We make bad choices. We're tempted. We make wrong decisions. Yet we have access to God just like Elijah did. And we are priests before him. Now, notice this. I think this is important. Righteous Elijah. He prayed For no rain, and there was no rain for three and a half years. Judgment on the nation. Then he prayed for rain, and it rained. But the the scripture lets us know something vital. He prayed that there would be no rain after God told him there would not be rain. And he prayed for rain after God told him that rain was coming. Now, what are we to make of all that? Elijah was cooperating with the revealed will of sovereign God. Hear it again. Elijah was cooperating with the revealed will of sovereign God. That kind of walk with God knows how to pray and what to pray for. Sometimes we pray and nothing happens because we don't know the heart of God. We've not been talking with him. We just throw out something that concerns us and we haven't been spending time with God we don't know his heart and so we just throw a prayer up there and nothing happens not surprising we walk intimately with God now back to the elders application very important for the elders to discern God's will when we pray sometimes the discernment We understand that God is going to heal this person by taking him or her home to be with him. And sometimes God's plan is to heal that person physically here. We can't discern that unless there is some kind of intimate walk with God and and the responsibility of that is enormous. So I want to leave with you these thoughts about prayer. Very simple. Pray daily. Okay? Pray daily. Secondly, pray constantly. What does the Scripture say? Pray without ceasing. 
Pray daily, pray constantly, pray specifically. Pray specifically. Um, sometimes we say, God bless the church. That, okay, that's, that's, that's fine, but let's be more specific. In what ways do we want God to bless the church? What ways do you want God to bless your friend? What ways do you want God to bless your family? Pray specifically. And pray as God directs. In an in intimacy of walk with Him, we sense His direction in prayer. And then, having prayed, trust God. Pray and then get busy. You want power? Pray. You want the church to thrive? Pray. Mike, Mike Miller, where are you? Mike's told me the story of back years ago. Dr. Kemp was pastor. I think this is in the 70s. There were some ladies who were concerned that there weren't enough young people in the church. And so they went to Dr. Kemp to say, what, what should we do? And Dr. Kemp very wisely said, pray. And so they, they did. And God, over the next months, began to bring a huge influx of young couples into the life of the church. What are the needs of the church now? I suggest, if I may make the same suggestion that Dr. Kemp made, that we pray. That we pray about those needs. You want the nation to turn? Then pray. So I leave with you a challenge. If you are praying every day, you have a daily quiet time, then keep it up. I I wouldn't interfere with that for anything in the world. But if you find in a review of things that you're not really praying except maybe over a meal, there's really not a powerful, effective time of prayer in your life. And I want to challenge you tomorrow morning. Get up in time to pray for five minutes. That's all. Five minutes. That's all. Five minutes. And then watch what God will do. Before you know it, the five will become ten. The ten will become fifteen. You have to set the alarm a little earlier. Fifteen will become twenty. And you'll find yourself as a real person of prayer. And I hope that that will happen in the life of every person in this room. Let's bow together. Father, the fact that you want to talk to us is amazing. The God of the universe, the creator of all that we see and we don't see. The almighty God who gave Jesus to die on the cross, to arise from the grave for our sins, that you want to spend time with me. It's utterly amazing and humbling. And I'm grateful for that invitation. And I pray that I'll be found faithful and more faithful in spending time with you. And I pray that will be the case for every person in this room. Father, someone here needs Jesus. And I don't know who it is, but you do. And I pray now that you will draw that person or those persons to yourself 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart to give your heart and life to Jesus. Will you come? Place your hand in mine. Simply say, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you. Let's stand. Are you in need of daily encouragement or want to learn more about First Baptist Belton? Visit our website at www.fbcbelton.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Follow and like today. Thanks for listening to today's message.